0: Take your copy of Scripture, take the Bible, go with me wherever you are. I'd like for you to see this. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews 10. Some very, I I, I say familiar verses, but I want us to examine those tonight uh, in light of a couple of things. And I want to begin with a question or a statement and then a question. Jesus said in Matthew 28, when he gave what we call the Great Commission, he basically said in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now let me, let me say this. Literally, uh, the original language, the statement there in the Greek language uh, is, is one word, and it is, As you go... As you are going, as you are living life, here's the word Jesus used. You make disciples. The idea there in our English translation, our King James translation, teaching, go teach all nations. Uh, Literally, it, 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 it literally means you go, as you go, you be in the habit of not, Just teaching all nations, but making disciples of all nations. A a disciple was a learner. A disciple was a student. A student, we understand, in the context of the gospel, in the context of Jesus' words here, a student of Jesus himself. You go, literally, make learners of Jesus. I have something in my mouth. There, got it taken care of. You go make disciples. Most everybody watching this tonight, you would say, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a student of Jesus. And you would rightly answer that. Most of the crowd who watches on Sunday night, they're going to be the crowd that regardless of what's going on, when we open the doors of the church, you're going to be here or your desire at least is to be here. You're going to be watching. You're going to be here. You're going to be in tune. You show fruit in a pattern of being an active follower of Jesus. You're conscientious in your life about loving the Lord, living for Him, getting close to Him. Uh, Many of you are the Bible readers, the prayer warriors, the servers and maybe even your own health and capacity now has been greatly minimized and you're not able to do that anymore but I'm I'm talking to the ones who for years uh, and and even ongoing for several you serve in some kind of capacity you are serious in your life about following Jesus and being a disciple but Jesus went a step further he said I not only want you fellows, to the 12, to the, to the 11 at the time, I not only want you to be my learner, and they were his learners for three and a half years. They studied, they listened, they hung on every single word that Jesus gave them. And that's important to understand that they spent three and a half years, nearly unhindered time, years with Jesus, intently listening, learning picking up on kingdom truth. And every single day, every teachable moment, Jesus was pouring that kingdom truth into them. So he says, I want you to be my follower, my disciple. But then I want you to, as you live your life, as you go, the intentionality here is not in the sense of you go The intentionality is as you live your life, as you go, you be intentional, not just about you being a disciple, you being a follower, you go make other followers. You go make other disciples. So how are they supposed to do that? Well, is it crazy to think that Jesus expected them to do that following the same pattern that he used? I don't think it's crazy. I think it's consistent with what we find in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, the New Testament epistles. I'm going to throw a term out to you I want you to just chew on. It's the term life on life. Life on life. Life on life discipleship. What is life on life discipleship? Here's what I know that if you are a truly devoted follower of Jesus and you're serious about being a disciple of Jesus tonight, I guarantee you somebody, somebody came alongside of you and discipled you. They may not have called it discipleship. You may not have called it discipleship. Uh, that, that, That concept might have been a thousand miles away from your thinking or your understanding. But that's what it was. It was discipleship. It was this person, and it could have been a parent, a grandparent, a relative, a family member. It could have been the one who led you to Jesus, who just continued. It could have been a preacher, a pastor, youth pastor. It could have been a, a deacon, a lay person, a lay woman in the church. It could have been. It could have been a team effort by a lot of people. It could have been a coach. It could have been a, a, a teacher. Somebody, I guarantee you, somebody came alongside of you to encourage you in the faith, to model what genuine spirituality is, to speak truth in love, sometimes when it wasn't convenient for them or when it wasn't easy for you to receive. They spoke truth in love. They spoke the Word to you. They taught you by lip and by life by their mouth, by their model. Unintentionally sometimes, but there were times of intentionality where they taught us the Word. They mentored us. They poured themselves spiritually. They spiritually mentored us. Somebody's done that for you. I guarantee you. And Jesus said that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not just a matter, and I'm all for spontaneous evangelism. I am. I try to practice it. I am all for, right on the spot, people praying to receive Jesus. I am for that. But that's not necessarily what he said. That's just the beginning part of this discipleship journey. Them receiving Jesus. That's the beginning. That... That that gets them into a relationship with Jesus. Yes, they're saved. Praise God. But every saved person, Jesus intends for them to be a disciple. Now hear me carefully, dear friend. A Christian becomes a Christian at an instantaneous decision. I'm not going to say spontaneous, but an instantaneous decision, a momentous life change and decision to embrace Jesus. They are a Christian, they are saved. But I want you to hear me tonight. A disciple, a disciple, is made over a process of time, even a lifetime. That's discipleship. That's what that means. Yes, every Christian is to be a disciple. I don't see in the Word where Jesus differentiates between a Christian and a follower. All Christians are to be followers. And it is doubtful that if you're not following, it is doubtful that you're a Christian. It's all about your heart. Do you have a heart to follow Jesus? But here's my point, ladies and gentlemen that Jesus never wanted spirituality. He never wanted Christianity. He never wanted discipleship and fellowship to be a solo sport. Never. He always wanted for somebody, some other human with skin, flesh, bone, to come alongside of this disciple. There is not a disciple without a discipler. Every disciple needs somebody to come along beside of them to teach, to encourage, to model, to stay with them. So my question, my first question was, who was that person for you? And now, let's turn it around. Here's my second question. Are you that for somebody? If so, who? Who were you discipling? Who right now in your life are you in a disciple-making relationship with? You, 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 you consistently, intentionally, conscientiously, you're pouring yourself into them. This text that we're about to read, let's, let's just jump in. Look at, verse, look at verse 19, Hebrews 10. Having therefore uh, Verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness... To enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, praise God, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through His flesh. In other words, Jesus through His death, His shed blood, He paved the way for us to have access to God the Father, and we enter in to the holy place, and we can talk to God, and we can pray. Verse 21, having a high priest over the house of God, here we go, Let us draw near with a true heart, a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He's not talking about baptismal water there. We understand that the waters in the baptism, my dear friend, they don't do anything but get your body wet. They don't wash your sins. They don't wash your conscience. He's speaking here metaphorically. He's using euphemism. He's talking about our spiritual bodies being washed by the blood of Jesus. Verse 23. And let us hold the profession of our faith without wavering. In other words, without flip-flopping back and forth, without getting tossed around. For He is faithful that promised, verse 24, and let us, here we go, let us, brothers, sisters, believers, church members, let us consider one another to intentionally, here we go, to provoke unto love and to good works. And then verse 25, not forsaking not abandoning not neglecting the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is in other words as some have begun to fall into that habit but but let us continue to exhort one another stop that means encourage to exhort to encourage to challenge to disciple one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching what day that's the day of Jesus's return so i want to talk to you and again this is going to be in two parts so i'm going to go ahead and tell you that let's stir up one another let's stir up one another he says here in these verses uh, uh, let us let us provoke unto love and to good works." It, 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 It literally means when we talk about the what of the passage, the what. Well, he says to consider one another. Consider one another. That's what he says in verse 24. Consider one another. Think about one another as believers. We're not just to think about our own concerns. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to listen very carefully and hang on just a moment. Let me ask you something. The gathering together at church, who's it for? You say, well, preacher, uh, you know, it's for me. You're right. It is for you, and it's for me too. I'm not ashamed of that. It's not wrong. But is it just for you? Is it just for me? When he says, I want you to gather I want you to consider one another. I want you to think about one another. Could he not mean also that part of gathering with believers is for the sake of somebody else too? For the sake of others that are there? You say, walk this out with me. Put this in shoe leather. Okay, let's do that. Could it be that when we gather for church... That part of the blessing, part of the benefit, part of the purpose of gathering for church is that you and I intentionally, here we go, pour ourselves into somebody else. That we intentionally are there for somebody. In other words, we have a listening ear. We take time, we take time and make time while we're there to listen to somebody, to talk to somebody to pour ourselves into somebody, to give that verbal encouragement, to give that accountability. I, I definitely know that, 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 that this is true based on this text, that we're not to blow in church and sit and tolerate and listen and then blow back out as soon as the amen. That's not... that's, Dear friend, dear friend, if that's our tendency, then we need the Holy Spirit of God to undo that tendency in us. That doesn't glorify God. That's not the the full purpose of church. If you, dear friend, have chosen because of your personality or whatever to become a hermit Christian, oh dear one, listen carefully. Let the Holy Spirit of God do something in you, dear friend, where you realize, oh man, I am missing out, not just on an opportunity, to be in the house of God, that's not it, dear friend. But he says, I want you to think about other people while you're there. Think about one another. <clears throat> think about the other brothers and sisters that are there. Engage with them. Talk with them. Pray with them. There, on the spot. Listen to them. Get to know them. Pursue somebody if necessary. Dear friend, it, 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 it blows my mind and is a burden to me. We still have people who have been in our church for years and years and years and they don't even know, don't even recognize other people who have been in our church for years and years and years and years and years. And years. Our structure, our setup, our physical church auditorium, That seems to be a hindrance at times because we have the balcony, we have multiple ways in, multiple ways out, multiple parking areas and multiple entrances and all that kind of stuff. And it is highly possible for you to attend this church for years and you never to really even meet or get to know many other people. He says, when you come to church, when you gather, when you gather, you consider one another. And then he says, you consider one another to provoke them. Provoke to what? He says, provoke to love and good works. The word provoke is an interesting word. It means literally to stir up to a fever. (laughs) It's a medical term. That means that when when I leave your presence at church, I am to so encourage you, I am to so bless you, I am to so engage with you, that you are pumped up more than than you were before you came. Not just from the pulpit, but through engagement with one another, that you're provoked intentionally, you're poked, your fever rises. Your wood is stoked. Your flame is burning brighter. We are to intentionally stir people up to love Jesus more and to love people more and to be more fervent and to demonstrate the love through good works and righteous deeds. That's what he says. And All of that takes place, ladies and gentlemen, in the context of a spiritual relationship among brothers and sisters in Christ. You say, Preacher, are you going somewhere with this? Yes. Yes, I believe the text goes somewhere with this. And I believe that far too many, and I'm including myself, of us at Faith Church, when we gather, we think that's all that there is, is just gathering. Well, I'm here. I'm here. It's a solo sport. No, dear friend. Gathering for church is just not about us. It's about You and what you do to encourage and to reach and to mentor and to disciple and to pour yourself into somebody else when we gather. You say, preacher, that all can't happen just in a service. Bingo. Bingo. You're exactly right. And we're going to stop right there. And I want you, dear friends, the faithful, the few, I want you to pray and ponder prayerfully along with me. Okay, what does this really mean? If I'm really to be a provoker, and I'm really to be in a disciple-making relationship with somebody, and if the gathering, if there's more to it, than just me coming in and sitting and singing and receiving the preaching and then going home. What's that supposed to look like in 2021? It's a great question. I'm going to leave you hanging. I want you to pray with me about it. Let's see if the Holy Spirit can help us in the next few weeks to have an answer. Let's pray together. Our Father in Jesus' name, we need you desperately. We turn to you. We look to you. Thank you for the Bible, your truth. And we're going to walk through this passage, Lord. You're going to walk us through it. And you're going to show us as a church family the deeper, how we can go deeper and take this more practically into life in our situation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.